Hi, we are back with another episode in our video podcast series at Center Stage, in which we address the most pressing issues in the fast-changing economy, especially in booming sectors and industries. We invite you to join us if you want to understand the behavior of certain market players, gain insights into topics that will likely transform operations in certain industries, or just want to get first-hand information on the legal developments in a particular sector. My name is Sasha Pap, and I'm your host. I'm a long-time radio guy and lately also a podcaster with very diverse interests. A topic high on the agenda of many businesses around the globe is sustainable development. This is particularly true in Europe with the Green Deal as well as a corporate sustainability due diligence directive on its way that will extend the existing reporting requirements for large companies on the social and environmental impacts of their activities. So, sustainable development is not just a buzzword, even if many companies are still not taking the subject seriously enough. A situation actually that reminds me of the time before the GDPR entered into force across the EU. But I'm sure my guests today, Sonia Radovic and Sasha Sodia, will help me dig up some hard nuggets of truth related to this topic, especially since it is so easy for a company to be accused of greenwashing if it is not careful. We will consider how and where to start with sustainable development and then how to continue once the baseline is established. Both my guests are lawyers by profession and both share a passion for topics related to sustainable development. Sonia is attorney at law with nearly 10 years of working experience. She's also a founder of Codio Impact, a venture whose mission is to help companies set up an automated system for collecting and managing environmental social governance ESG data, as well as creating a reporting system which responds effortlessly to increasingly demanding requests from the market, regulators and other stakeholders. We are also joined by Sasha, a partner at CMS Slovenia. She is deeply involved in CMS Slovenia's effort to become a sustainable law firm, not just relative to Slovenia, but the wider CEE region. She also belongs to the corporate M&A team and so has first-hand experience of how ESG topics are already affecting the transactional landscape. A warm welcome to both of you, Sonia and Sasha. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Nice to see you again, Sasha. The Commission's proposal for a Corporate Sustainability Due Diligence Directive is still in the process of being adopted. How important is it that companies start planning and preparing for this legislation now rather than later, Sasha? Very important. The directive, if implemented as currently planned, will directly impact approximately 13,000 companies within EU, and in addition to that, uh, around 4,000 companies outside EU. So at least that is what the EU Commission assessed. It may not seem much, because mostly bigger-sized companies become directly obligated to incorporate this sustainability due diligence within their businesses. But, you know, even if not obligated directly and legally, smaller-sized companies, so also SMEs, as parts of supply chain of these obligated companies will become economically required to fulfill the same conditions. So to answer your questions, it's very important. Two to three Years may not seem a long time, but, you know, in addition to everything else a company uh, is doing, you know, day-to-day business, these are processes that are not easily implemented, you know. To make it easy on themselves, it's better to start early and not just because of the potential penalties and regulations, you know, but also because this is the right thing to do 
for the company and the stakeholder because being sustainable also drives business value. Can we compare the implementation of this legislation with the GDPR? Will we see a similar pattern when it comes to company compliance? And how difficult will the process be for SMEs and micro companies? Sonia and Sasha, both of you, your, your thoughts? So there is a, a lot to unpack there. I think um, when it comes to the reach of regulation, what we've seen in the, in the past with CSRD and the supply chain uh, directive that is upcoming that Sasha just mentioned, um, what we see as a trend is that more and more companies are falling under the scope and the regulation is mandating auditable data. And that's where we come in a huge problem because when you compare it to GDPR, GDPR imposed certain rules for companies to adjust and stop the misuse of personal data of the consumers. Uh, what ESG regulation requests is to for companies to actually understand what is how they are impacting the world and how actually the world and the market is impacting themselves. So first you need to establish how you're doing that and then you need to collect a significant amount of data throughout the company, which is where we come to the problem, and that is time and resources. So GDPR, in my opinion, and I may be crucified for that by any GDPR lawyer, is a bit smaller in scope in comparison to ESG. For ESG, you really need time to prepare. You need to know where your data lies. You need to know what your data is, what is materially relevant data, and then you need to co uh, collect it in a way that is auditable and ready for anyone to certify it later on. So I would say the time is right now, not because um, it's, a, it's a good and intrinsically great thing to do, but also because you will be late if you start later. And when it comes to SMEs, um, we face one additional problem. So SMEs will, in accordance with uh, what European Union has already said, they will not be subject to the same scope of standards to disclose. They will have some smaller standards that are still not issued. So we really don't know what, what is happening and whether they will just be expected to report on the same standards, but with uh, a twist. So they will have smaller standards, they have longer time to adapt. So the first year on which they will be reporting is 2025. However, SMEs tend to have lesser resources, in-house and uh, external, and that makes things significantly more complicated. In our research, uh, for the first sustainability report, companies of size of, let's say, 250, 2,000 people needed 6 to 18 months to actually collect the data. So that immediately tells you how complex this procedure may be, may be. Given that this legislation will likely require a significant amount of additional resources and labor to achieve compliance, how might companies best start preparing for this legislation now so they don't get caught off guard, Sonia? I think the first step is actually determining... So there is... There is are really a lot of ESG parameters and metrics that you can measure. So one of the most uh, famous one at this point is uh, CO2 emissions. So everyone knows of them. Uh, many companies already started tracking or understanding what CO2 emissions are. However, ESG has over 500 metrics that you could measure. So going from water and waste disposal to um, health and safety of employees and 
injuries at work, diversity, and so on, and ranging all the way to anti-corruption, anti-competitive behavior, governance of the company, what is company's vision, what is company's mission, and so on. So there is quite a lot of metrics to be tackled. What companies need to first understand is which metrics are materially relevant for them to collect and report on, and what is it that the market requires them to do. So there, there can also be misalignments in that. But in order to have high-quality data, you cannot start with 500 metrics, and that is um, absolutely not to be expected from companies. But take this first step of understanding what is materially relevant to your stakeholders. So start ranging from employees to company management to outside stakeholders, such as local communities, shareholders, um, maybe uh, NGOs that are active in the sector, and then understand what is it that the impact that your company has to to outside and what is the outside impact that, that impacts your company, the outside factors that impact your company. And that's this concept of double materiality that European Union is actually trying to push hard on. And I think that is a great first step. And as a second step, act upon it. Find your metrics, find a way to collect the data on your metrics, because that seems like a, such a simple thing to do but who has ever, if anyone has ever done CO2 emission calculation, understands finding data and getting people to put in data or getting a way to collect data is probably the most painful thing ever. So that is, um, I think, a great second step, because once you start it, you will have so many iterations on the way and so many things to adapt. And that's what our product is actually trying to solve for the companies, but it's it's really a complex topic that needs to be started off right now. The legislators have set quite a challenge for the companies when it comes to gathering, sharing, and organizing ESG-related data. If we bear in mind that the majority of companies have no tracking system in place at this point, where do you foresee the most significant challenges, Sasha? Um, with ESG, there is like no one-size-fits-all solution for the company. So, you know, just like their products and services differentiate, the ESG parameters and strategy will need to be kind of tailored specifically to each company. This is good news for consultants, of course. And yes, the costs are also significant. And every company will need to kind of prioritize different ESG elements. So they also have different, um, because they also have different sustainability challenges. But still, you know, there is one challenge, I think, that is common for all the companies. And that is kind of to make a move from integrating the ESG policy kind of as a reaction to the regulations to kind of integrating ESG uh, in a way of a long-term strategy, and that kind of really—that's something that really requires a certain level of leadership commitment. And I think this is kind of common for all the companies because only the leadership is in a position to make the necessary trade-off between, you know, short-term profits and what uh, should be the conduct, conduct for the company for a long-term prosperity. Let's say I think that's the key. I think that once that happens, and once the investors and you know the management, other stakeholders kind of show their appreciation, you know, then this is kind of the first step that has to be made so that everything else, all the processes, all the data collecting, all the reporting is successful. Thank you. Given that no company has unlimited resources to invest in tracking every possible metric of their ESG impact, how specific to the sector 
or industry can we expect parameters and risks set by legislators to be? How often will these risks and parameters be updated to reflect the contemporary challenges of a particular industry, Sonia? So how the, the standards are working now is that there is a multitude of standards, ranging from GRI to SASB to very national standards on data collection, um, and ex with that also expectations of what companies should collect. Um, European Union has issued the first draft of uh, European Sustainability Reporting Standards, so in abbreviation ESRS, um, just a few weeks ago. So our, our talk is very timely and they are expected to be finalized towards the end of the year. How they are set is that there are certain sector agnostic standards, there are certain sector specific standards, and they are, there's a third layer to that, which is company specific disclosures. And that means that a company should report on these general information, on more sector specific information, which would mean depending on which industry and in which area or territory you operate, you will have specific disclosure requests. And there are some intrinsic issues or like perceived issues with this, with this specific industry. So what EU is saying, okay, we have seen these issues before on the ESG chain for these companies and these industries. So you also have to report these. And then on the company level, that is something that every company should decide on themselves in a, in a way. Um, so is there anything that is so specific for this company that you need to, in addition, report on that? So these three layers of um, disclosures are being requested under the CSRD. And as I said before, the first thing you need to understand is what do you need to report? What is it that is relevant for you and your company to report? Because what we had in the past is that companies could choose these parameters without any type of sanctions um, in the background. What EU is now saying, this data and how you decided on what is relevant will be audited. So be sure to choose what you want to report in alignment on what you should report. So it's not just an option for you to do that. So that is, I think, uh, approximately what, what is happening and what we're seeing at the moment. A question for both of you now. What benefits will accrue to companies who comply with these new rules sooner rather than later? And what will be the disadvantages for those that are left behind in this process? Besides being excluded from portfolios and possibly being barred from participating in public tenders due to the existing directives, can compliant companies expect some incentives, such as access to green financing or better quality loans? Sonia? Um, so I personally believe, and that is why I'm building a company around that, is that there are so many benefits to companies who disclose their data. Ranging from what you just mentioned, sustainable finance, there is, and we are currently in the time period where interests are just increasing. So getting to the point to get a cheaper loan a lo or a loan with a cheaper interest because you are achieving certain sustainability performance targets is a great incentive and impacts uh, directly the company's financials, not only non-financial performance. In addition to that, um, what we've seen actually quite often is attracting talent. So talent retention 
especially we have to think about companies which are not only based in large cities where you actually get a pool of new and fresh candidates coming from universities, but companies which are based somewhere on the countryside, they need quite a lot to attract the talent. And one of the latest questions in interviews is what are you doing on sustainability? How are you impacting your environment? So that's that has become increasingly a huge pain for the companies. And in addition to that, being subject to different types of, types of penalties is one thing. So this regulatory push. But I think also Sasha mentioned in the beginning, it's not only the push from the regulators directly, but it's also the spillover effect, which means that if you are not reporting to your customers, you are also not being able to have customers. So what we've seen throughout our work is there were at least two, three companies who said we weren't able to answer supply chain audit on time. And therefore, we have lost a customer because someone else has the, the data on, on their very, very close and very collected and very streamlined. And they have managed to do that. So we've lost a customer. So it's really, really important to take into um, account all these different parameters from customer to um, employee market to regulation. And that's why the time really, really is. Sasha? I agree with Sonia. I mean, you know, the reward is there for all the stakeholders. So we are oftenly kind of talk, especially in relation to legal regulations, about um, reacting to what regulators want rather than to see the new legislation kind of as a tool for progress. I mean, of course, there will be costs and it will not be easy for the companies to comply. But isn't kind of such compliance actually what we should all be striving for? You know, we all feel better when the companies are making these great promises, being greener, being diverse, being kind and, you know, in general, being ethical. We feel great, you know, like finally a step into the right direction. But how can we follow up if there are no rules like that? And I know now that there are rules or rather there will be rules um, in relation to the due diligence, we're afraid that that's going to cause problems. So it's difficult to kind of get to the fairer world without some expense. You know, there's like, there's a Slovenian proverb saying, which kind of translates to, um, without effort, you cannot even put on a shoe. Uh, if we, if we, if, if the companies want a sustainable society, you know, we need to work for it. You know, the, the new directives highlighted the act of considering the consequences for sustainability matters is also part of the director's duty to act in the best interest of the company. So the responsibility for integrating the due diligence processes is now assigned or will be assigned to the company's director. So they will be made responsible for putting that in place and overseeing that due diligence actions and reporting. Um, and I think it's, that's a marvelous strategy actually by the EU and a big motivator for the companies to be compliant. I, before I spoke about leadership commitment, and this is kind of a way to get leadership more committed to, to sustainability. Um, you know, in addition to the sanctions that are based on the company's turnover, which may be significant if the companies is not compliant. Maybe one thing, sorry, to add to this, and what Sasha says actually makes a lot of sense, because what EU also says is this needs to be goal-oriented, we don't expect you to do it overnight because it will be really hard to do ESG overnight. But the transition and especially goals reflected in management, so what do you want to achieve in which period of time you want to achieve it, are really, really favorable 
looked up favorably from um, the regulators and the auditors. Okay, yeah, but but I guess companies would want to know what happens next. Say you have made your initial assessment, set the metrics most appropriate to your business and started tracking the data. What comes now? I guess having a sustainable data collection system in place is a baseline for further actions companies need to take. What are the steps that follow once your first readings are made? How should the company act? I mean, this is an ongoing process. It's not, you know, one step. It's not something, it's not the product. It's not one report. It's kind of continuously building on that report. And also, I think, continuously getting better because, Sonia, I guess at the beginning, you can have like 10 or 15 ESG parameters, but you are supposed to build up on that. I mean, so this is what Sonia does for a living, so she sh she's better to answer that question than I am. Yeah, I mean, it is... Um, I really treat this topic as something that needs to be partnership-driven because we have two parts of it. One is this data collection and generally these more scalable solutions which are able to support companies to actually know where they are So and in real time. Um, and then there is a second part, which is this more tailor-made approach where companies like CMS come in or consultancies or tax advisors who are actually able to tell them, okay, based on this data that you have, this is where you can optimize or this is where your strategy should be or this is how the transition towards green economy should look like. And I would say to your question, first step, decide what is materially relevant in metric and measure it. Second step Yes, use a solution because what we've seen honestly is tons and tons of Excel sheets at best, sometimes even written notes. And it's, I am not the biggest digital native in this world. I mean, we all come from legal, so it's, you know, Word is our tool. But Excel has this amazing ability to collect a lot of data if it's inputted properly, but no one formats that. So there is a ton of issues that we've seen from just turning kilograms to tons um, or in emission calculation, turning, I don't know, kilowatt hours to what, whatever. Like there is so many factors that impact that. And that's why Excel is just at the moment not the right tool because you will have significant discrepancies with what you report. Therefore, there should be a streamlined way to do that. And... Yes, I think that is your next step. Find the solution that suits what uh, you want to achieve and then also find strong partners or help us uh, get you to the strong partners because this is not a one winner takes it all type of market. I really strongly believe that this is something very similar to financial reporting and there is no one winner takes it all on the financial reporting side. So there are so many uh, things that you can do with a great and clear and structured data, but there, there are so many things that you should do with a tailor-made advice, especially if you need help. And just one more point to add to this, how the companies have done reporting in the past is you start in June, I don't know, 2022 for 2020, and then you issue a report, which is at the moment of issuance already outdated. So... That is a problem. If you want to have an advice, if you want to optimize, if you want to do something better, you need to have real-time data or at least as real-time as it gets. 
um, so that you can actually change the course of your report during the year of reporting. So there is something to be done when you see the trends, when you see the anomalies, when you see the benchmarks. Um, that is actually really, really important. So do it real time or as real as it can get. Don't do it uh, now for 18 months before. And I, I j if I can just add something, don't just make this like one person job. You know, don't just add this ESG task to one person in your company and say, okay, this is your additional, uh, additional work. Because, you know, you have to implement processes as well. I know that lawyers get boring with corporate governance, but, um, you know, at one stage, the, comp the data that you have to collect may be collected by one person, but this gets more and more. If you want to have like real life data, this is a big task. So you either have this as a responsibility of more people that collect and kind of gather information, or you have to have one person that will gather the information from all of these uh, other accountable persons. So it's, it's really, it's a big task. It's not just like collecting data. It's I think it's even kind of more comprehensive than doing financial reporting where you already have um, kind of tools and apps that make your life easier. But this is just the start. And, you know, uh, Sonia's app is one thing that could also make the processes in the company easier. Sonia and Sasha, it was a pleasure. Big thanks for your time. A special thanks also goes to you, yes, to all of you who took the time to join us today for yet another episode of At Center Stage. All episodes can be found on the CMS website or you can revisit them through LinkedIn profile. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy life and start reporting. Mm -hmm.